teacher friend, welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard but I am so glad that you're here. Happy Tuesday, teacher friends. You are listening to episode number 39 of Simply Teach. This week, I am chatting with my friend, Sarah Hakeem. Sarah and I have known each other for seven years because of, you guessed it, the Teacher Fellows Program that I talk about all the time on here. But first, I wanna share a review I recently got over on iTunes. Lexi16 says, as a first year teacher, I just found this podcast today. I've listened to about four episodes already on this snow day, and I'm so excited to continue following and listening and learning much more from this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lexi. I'm so glad that you're listening and you're learning, and I know all about binge listening to podcasts. I actually, like side note, really enjoy when I stumble upon a podcast that is not only new to me, but just new in general, because it doesn't have that many episodes yet, and it's less to catch up on. When I listen to a podcast, I feel like I owe it to the creator to listen to every single episode they create, and that is sometimes really overwhelming. So I'm definitely a podcast binge listener because I got to catch up. I I feel like I have to know everything about them. So thank you so much, Lexi, for leaving a review. If you want to have a review read out on the podcast, hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. I'll take all the five-star ratings you're willing to give. I promise this doesn't serve to puff me up, although it does make me feel good. But if you heard any other podcasts talk about reviews, you know that the reviews and the ratings are what help boost the show into the feed. I know that you're finding the show helpful because I keep seeing the download numbers go up and up and up, which means you're telling your friends and y'all, I'm so grateful for that. So let's help more teachers find this podcast by rating and reviewing. There's a tutorial on my Instagram highlights if you need it. And don't just rate and review my podcast, go rate and review all the podcasts you listen to because all of us podcast creators would so appreciate it. This week, I'm chatting with Sarah. Sarah is a fourth grade teacher and also a trainer for Kagan Cooperative Learning. If you aren't sure what that is, just listen. We'll talk all about it. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I love Sarah because she's just a really wise person. And I think you'll hear that in our conversation. She really thinks through everything that she does and what she says. I've I've admired that about her as long as I've known her. And I think that's part of what makes her a really great teacher. So listen up. You are going to find this episode really helpful. Here we go. Okay. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Excited to be talking with you. Um, Will you tell the listeners just a little bit about you, what you teach and your background in in teaching? Definitely. And I first want to thank you for your time and having this opportunity to speak on your podcast and as well as giving teachers a platform to listen and speak of what is actually going on in the classroom. I think that that is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, So about me, I am in my seventh year of teaching. I have taught fourth and fifth grade. I've taught uh, in a departmentalized situation as well as being self-contained where I'm teaching all content areas. So we should probably mention how we know each other. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Sarah is another girl that I bring on from the podcast from the Teacher Fellows Program. So I think I've had Julie on. Um, I'm recording with Amanda. I'm recording with Amanda tonight, but she's actually going to be on the podcast. Like her episode's coming out on Tuesday. Very cool. Um, 
And then let's see, Christina Grant, remember her? Yes. And then who else? Oh, I had like a previous, I mean, a newer teacher fellow, Brittany Cox. Yes, I know who she is. Um, is she, how do you know, like, have you interacted with her? I have. She, trainings? Um, let's see, when was the first time I saw her? I know she was at Kagan Summer Academy last summer. Okay. And I crossed paths yeah. with her there. Okay. Yeah. So I had her on the podcast. I'm trying to think. I think that's it from Teacher Fellows. Although I would feel real bad if I forgot somebody. So I'm looking at my list to make sure I haven't forgotten anybody that has been on. Yeah. Um, but, oh, Courtney Talley. That's yes. it. That's the other one. She's, okay. Those are all amazing people. Yeah. So I bring on my amazing friends to talk about teaching. So, um, yeah, we were in Teacher Fellows together. And this is your seventh year. So, but you actually, and something, I think you and I are the only ones from the program of our cohort that stuck at the same school for the whole time. Like, um, I think all the other teachers in our cohort, like, like changed schools within a couple years. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think we're the only two Mm -hmm. that stuck even in our same district. Yeah. I think Um, maybe... Maybe Monica might have stayed. Maybe so. Because I know she's still in that area. But I think for the most part, everybody's life kind of took them in different directions, got married, babies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, So, but now you're at a new school. Yes. Actually, you opened a school this year. Um, So twofold, how has that transition been to a new school after like, you know, same thing for the past. I mean, I know you had different admin and whatnot, but mm-hmm. still same school for the past six years. So that transition and then what it's been like opening a new school. Um, the transition has been, I think, as smooth as it can be. I absolutely love being a part of opening something so beautiful and so amazing. Our administrators are all rock stars and it does come with some growing pains because it's you're taking teachers from all over the district or all over the state or whatever it might be where these people have come from and you're starting something brand new you're building your teams brand new you're building your systems brand new and some of those things are new to me some of those things are familiar to me um but those kinds of things just take time and they're not difficult in the sense of being stressful they're difficult just because they're new but it's been it's been good it's been fun And we were projected to have, you know, X amount of students um, for the school year. And we're, I think, sitting at 860 something for students and they're coming every single day. So I think those growing pains are new because since we were projected, I think maybe to have like 600 students, we're budgeted for that amount. Um, Have y'all had to hire new teachers? We have. Like late in the game? Mm -hmm. For our growth. Yeah. Um, now the school you were at before, were you, were y'all that big? Did y'all have that many kids? You know, I think we did. I think we did have that many. And it's not that that many is what's overwhelming. It's whenever you don't have the funds to cover that many. Yeah. So that's the part. And even things like a literacy library, there would be days where we would spend time after school as a campus and we're opening box of books or box of books, box of books. (laughs) Um, Talking like my kids now, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're spending our time 
unboxing these books and we're labeling them and we're putting stickers on them and we're doing all these things. Whereas before I walked into a campus that was already open and you kind of take those small things for granted. Oh, this is the literacy library. I'm going to go and check out my books and I'm going to walk on out. But mm-hmm. you know, where we're at right now is just, okay, we, everybody needs to pitch in to develop the library. Everybody needs to pitch in to develop whatever systems or things that we want in place. And it takes time. Yeah. Well, I've heard really good things. I mean, I'll, I'm only friends with one person that you teach with, but I have heard um, really good things about the school you're at. And I talked to her the other day and uh, she was singing your praises and, you know, talking about how she goes, she's just like a Kelly. I really like her. And I was like, okay, but she can't take my place. There's only one Kelly in your life. Okay. Oh, and she loves you so much. She loves you so much. One thing that you mentioned in the questionnaire that I sent you was you're talking about what I kind of assume is like a routine maybe that you go through Mm -hmm. in your day to keep yourself healthy emotionally, physically, mentally, all that kind of stuff. Like maybe it's not a physical routine, but like a mindset routine. Mm -hmm. Um, Will you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Um, And I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about in regards to just like having balanced lifestyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, well, my first year of teaching, I was definitely at school, I would say until 8 or 9 p.m. every single night, Um, ordering pizza most nights because that's what would deliver (laughs) to the school. Uh, They would meet me out back, so I wouldn't have to walk all the way to the front of the school to get my pizza. Did they, like, know your name? Oh, yeah. Did did they, like, know you? I was racking up those pizza points like nobody's business, <laughs> but, um, and I stayed there late and the pizza would carry me over to the next day's lunch and the next night's dinner. And I have, I, could I tell you what I was doing today? Absolutely not. I had no idea what I was doing with my time. Um, but I would just stay and I would just work on whatever I needed to. Uh, and over the years I've learned that, um, you need balance in your life in order to be successful. You need healthy energy to continue your healthy energy for your kids. Um, so now I'm at a point where I work smarter, not harder. I try to utilize every minute that I can and prioritize because in reality, our list will never end. We're always going to have things that we're, we're going to have to get done. So I think to myself, what do I need to take care of? as soon as possible, who needs this kind of, you know, paperwork or who needs something for me in order to do their job, kind of take care of those things first. Um, what is it that my kids need? And I'm definitely somebody who plans ahead. So I look at the week ahead and I take care of what those things might need to be or, um, two weeks ahead. As far as our lesson plans go, things like that, we stay two weeks ahead to make sure our copies are sent off all of those things. So that way we have what we need to take care of our our school business. But I kind of think in order to do all of those things and function at at all of those things at a hundred percent, I've got to take care of my body and get enough sleep. Got to eat right. Um, or else I'm not patient with my kids and it's not fair to them, or I just don't think as clearly, or I can't, um, a lot of, a lot of our day is impromptu. You know, somebody walks Mm -hmm. in and you can you're, it's impromptu. You've got to get the desk, get the paperwork, find a chair, you know, do introductions, making the kid feel welcomed, or it's an impromptu fire drill and you've got to stop what you're doing, 
create a new plan to how you're going to get back on track. And so I feel like if I don't get enough rest or I don't have that energy, I'm slower at that. I'm not as organized or efficient with my time with that. So do you think, like you were talking about your first year staying up till eight or nine o'clock at night, do you think that was like more out of necessity or do you think it was like true necessity or do you think it's our like first year teacher brain thinking everything's important I can do all this um probably a little like do you get what I'm trying to ask yeah I think a little of both I think at the time I didn't know necessarily what was important um to take care of or even utilizing my time efficiently in the sense of having my kids cut their paper in half. Why do I need to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, utilizing my kids more and, you know, they are able to take care of some of the things that, you know, we all need or that we all can benefit from. And then since there's 25, 26 of them, we can chop that time into seconds if we're all doing this at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of it, I think is just a learning curve too and figuring out, um, you know, what is this? How do I find this? How do I do this? How am I going to teach this? And I had great mentors and people around me, but I think I wanted everything to be a certain way and to feel a certain way that I was just there trying to make it that. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, and I think our team was also new to each other. Our, our team was pretty new to everybody. And, um, my core pod, we were all new to Haze. So we were kind of all in a situation where we didn't exactly know how to help each other either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes things difficult when you're just trying to like, even when the people who are supposed to be there to help you are still trying to figure out how to work things out and do things. Um, when I think back to my first year, I think about like, little things I did, like the thing that's coming to mind right now is laminating. Like I felt (laughs) like I needed everything to be laminated. Every activity that the kids were going to do in a station needed to be laminated. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time laminating stuff. Um, and I did have, I remember I had a really sweet mom my first year who would like come up and help. And my mom came up and helped, but, um, after two years, I moved to a new grade mm-hmm. and then that stuff wasn't useful anymore. Even the next year in the same grade, I didn't necessarily use all that stuff again. Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that where I think in my mind, perfection and what looks good and what, you know, laminating something is worth spending my time because then it's going to look good. But then in reality, like, is that really worth my time? And so it's, it's taking those things that you have to do and trying to decide the importance, I guess, or the, how, I guess, how much of priority you want to give it. Right. Um, and spend time on it, you know? Right. And even maybe if I just make one of these, how many different ways can I use it instead of making 10 of these and I'm standing at the laminator and I'm cutting and I'm, you know, doing all of these things for so long, how, how can I make it work if I just make one and have that be one station instead of everybody doing it at the same time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just like thinking, well, like you said, working smarter, not harder, thinking creatively, create, why am I not saying that? Creatively. <laughs> I don't know why that was not coming out right. Um, well, and then another thing you talked about was like integrating different subjects together. Mm-hmm. 
when you're teaching. And I think that can also, once you get the hang of it, potentially save time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talk through what that looks like in your classroom and your lesson planning. And then like actually with the kids. So last year I was self-contained where I taught, um, all content areas this year. I am language arts and social studies. Um, and I've got a partner teacher that does the other sets, but whenever I did teach all content areas, um, what I loved about that is that I'm able to integrate all my content areas together. We can read an article that has to do with what we're studying in science or uh, U.S. history or Texas history, whichever grade level I was teaching. Um, and then we're able to make those same connections in math if we're talking about um, adding or subtracting four digit numbers and how that relates to a year or um, one project that we did my last year of teaching fifth grade is we did this big lemonade stand project and the kids developed their own lemonade stand. They voted on a, a type of lemonade that they wanted to sell. And it was a classroom business competition between other fifth grade classrooms. And they, um, at that point then applied for their jobs and we had this whole business map. I had VPs of, um, operations. I had a chief financial officer and they all had these, their own special jobs and applied for them. And then they, these VPs and chiefs led their own teams into our business in marketing, making commercials, making scripts. Um, and then in conjunction with that, we read the book, the lemonade stand or no, it's the lemonade war. And each chapter starts off with a financial literacy term. And then, um, the kids developed their own business plan, how much, um, lemonade that they wanted to produce, what materials would they need? And then we related that back into science and how that's a mixture and it's a special solution and how we're going to make it. And that project took, um, I would say about a month, month and a half to get started from start to end. But the kids develop um, memories with those kinds of things and they're able to recall on that information and what we've done before, how that relates to it. You know, at the very beginning of the school year, we're talking about um, mixtures and solutions. And then now it's the end of the year. Now they're able to draw from that memory of, oh yeah, we did make this other kind of solution or we did make this other kind of mixture. We were able to pull it apart, pull it, apart, put it together. But um, I loved being self-contained because I was able to integrate and make those connections just naturally on the whim, planned, um, and everybody on my team, even though, and everybody on my team, they were departmentalized. I was the only self-contained teacher last year. Was that by choice or just by numbers? Um, I guess a little bit of both, a little bit of both. I, I preferred to be self-contained and then, um, the other ladies preferred to do a three-way switch. Okay. So, um, and it worked out beautifully and we all stayed connected with each other and we all, we all worked really hard together to, integrate other subject areas and because three of them wouldn't necessarily have the time to talk to one another to figure out how are we going to integrate but because we each planned one-on-one -on -one, I could say this is what we're studying in science how can we make it fit in reading you know we're mm -hmm. doing this theme in history 
how can we make that theme of math? Even it's something as simple as finding test cards with, you know, or problems that had to do with whatever topic we're learning about or whatever it might be. Right. When you say you planned one-on-one, what do you mean by that? So like, um, there were three other teachers, one taught language arts, social studies, one taught math, one taught science. And so each, mm-hmm. each of us had a day. So Monday we would plan math Tuesday, maybe language arts and social studies Wednesdays, maybe science. So each. Okay. So y'all would all as a team get together and plan each day. Me and only the math people. Okay. I see. So you were planning every day, but like they were only once planning a once mm-hmm. a week. Okay. I see. Um, well, I think that's good for you because that gives you like a lot of, I mean, you're already having to plan all four subjects at it, as it is, right. but um, gives you a lot of, cause that's one thing I missed. Like I didn't always feel like I had people to do that one-on-one planning mm-hmm. with. It was just very much like, okay, we're as a team, we're all going to sit here and, you know, everybody's going to share what they want to do. And then, you know, we'll write something up and nobody will stick to it because everybody will just go do what they want to do in their room on their own anyways, right. you know? And that, and that can be difficult, um, but I had a beautiful team last year and it worked out nice. Yeah. And, okay, what was the, I really love whatever you were, like what you were just talking about, the lemonade and the, those are the kind of things that I remember as a kid loving, like those real life application mm-hmm. things. Um. In fact, I just shared about this on my teacher Instagram the other day. Like, I still have vivid memories of going to the Children's Museum in Houston and, like, the play store mm-hmm. in there where they had, like, a pretend checkout line and you could go get groceries. And I remember just feeling, like, so excited to be in that little area of the museum. I think because it was so real mm-hmm. life, um, so adult-like. But I love that you did that with your kids and gave them that experience because I think, well, in the last Kagan, um, the brain friendly learning mm-hmm. conference that I went to, he talked about that and how kids learn better when there's like emotion tied yes. to it. And, um, when they're physically involved in like creating something. So, okay. What was that book called though, that you said you mentioned, I want to link to the lemonade that you said you read with them. The lemonade or Okay, I'm going to link to that. Um, so that way, if somebody's listening and is like, ooh, that sounds like something I want to do. Your kids will love it. it. Your kids will love it. Uh, so is it like what grade level-ish would you say that that? I would say fourth and fifth. Okay. I would say in that area. Okay. It's a great story. It's fun. It's funny. Um, and it just tied into what we were doing in the math portion of our day, how are we going to market? How are we going to make people want to come see and have our lemonade? Okay. What's going to make our lemonade stand out above the others? And, and in the book, it's two siblings kind of having a lemonade war against each other and what they do to one another to, you know, kind of compromise their business. And it's a pretty funny book. Hey, I have a question for you really quick. How's your behavior management system going? Are your kids responding well to it? Do you keep up with it? Do you even have one? Classroom management is the base layer to a successful classroom. Think of it like a tiered wedding cake. 
You know, when they make a big cake like that, they put those rods in it, or maybe it's a dowel. I'm not a baker, and to be honest, I'm not exactly sure that I'm even correct in this statement, but just go with me here. You need those dowels in the cake to help hold up the wedding cake, to support it, to give it structure. That's what your classroom management plan is to your classroom. Without that structure, your classroom will crumble. But have no fear. I have a fun and easy to implement resource to help you engage your students in a positive behavior management plan. The Behavior Management Economic System. This behavior management plan system has been researched and proven not only to improve student behavior, but also to teach students about personal financial literacy. This is the program I've been using in my classroom since day one. Students are paid for their positive behavior in classroom jobs. There are opportunities to teach them about saving and spending. In the packet, I tell you about the resources that I use to implement this plan with my students. I walk through an implementation plan that spans over a couple weeks, not because it takes that long to implement, but to allow you time to fully implement in a step-by-step process. I provide modifications for grades K through six. I also give you classroom money that you can copy to use in your classroom, as well as some activities that you can do with your kids. There's check registers, checks, and so much more in there. Learn more about the product and grab your copy by heading to the simplyorganizedteacher.com, then to the shop, it's on the top menu bar, and then click on Behavior Management Economic System. It can be yours for $7, and as a thank you for being a podcast listener, you can use the coupon code SIMPLYTEACH for 10% off your purchase. I want to talk about Kagan next. Um, So will you kind of tell us what your um, experiences with Kagan, what it is and what you do with it. Sure. I was first exposed to Kagan Cooperative Learning through our master's program. Uh, Kagan Cooperative Learning is all about engagement um, and how the brain works and learns and functions best. Um, So that's a little bit about it and then how I transferred that into the classroom. Um, We would learn different structures throughout the course of our master's program and I put it into the use of my own classroom. And what I saw from that is my kids are um, talking to one another in a way where they are coaching one another um, throughout their academics. Um, they are talking to one another socially in their own social conversations and not leaving one another out. So with Kagan Cooperative Learning specifically, I should mention is that it's um, a way to provide opportunity for each person to share, each person to learn, um, each person to contribute, um, providing equal opportunity for all is what I would say. So from there, okay, because cooperative learning is different from group work. Right. So tell us how they're different because when a person who's never heard of Kagan or cooperative learning before hears about it, they might just think, oh, well, I already do that. My kids turn and talk to their partner. I'm doing this. So what's the difference there? Right. So I feel like that is the biggest misconception that we have and it's no, and it's nobody's fault. It's the way that we were um, brought up in our own. And Dr. Kagan even says that the second we entered kindergarten, we're, we're already training to be teachers and we're doing what our teachers have taught to us. Um, so with group work, what that could be is 
something like, okay, here's your, your poster. This is your project. This is what we're going to do for the day. Um, each person may have a role, you know, you're going to be the timekeeper. You're going to write everything down. Um, you're going to be in charge of materials and you are in charge of, you know, turning in the final pieces. And so here you go. Let's, let's work on this together. Um, but in that situation, your timekeeper could very well just sit there and simply keep tra track of the time. And that is all that they are going to contribute instead of, um, their brain actively being aware of, okay, what is our task at hand? You know, what is it that we're actually going to be working on? Your timekeeper could just sit back and say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna choose to work on this. I'm going to sit here, keep time. And that's going to be it. So then as a teacher, when you collect that final project up, you don't know who's contributed to what aspect of that specifically. You don't know if there was um, somebody who's going to take over and just completely do it all because you're receiving the final product. Um, and you're not able to identify which kids did what, which kids didn't do what. Did they learn and grasp what you were teaching or did they not? So flipping over to the other side of that with Kagan Cooperative Learning, you can give each person a role and even a more specific role and be really intentional about the tools that you use. So you could give each person a marker and say, okay, if you're, if, if you're sitting here at your team, you're all going to have a red marker. If you're the next person over, you're going to have a blue marker, green, purple, and then you can see the same task at hand, who contributed to what and what they're, and it kind of gives them a um, individual accountability thinking, oh my goodness, my, my teacher just said I'm, I'm in charge of the purple marker and they want to see purple on my poster. So I've got to make sure that I'm contributing in that way. So with Kagan Cooperative Learning, there is, um, they it's structured in a way where they have to rely on one another to complete the task at hand. They are, um, they have that individual accountability They're They also, um, have that equal opportunity to share and those pieces together allow for that active engagement where they all are contributing to the same thing. And then at the end, they're going to feel success because they've had to rely on one another. They've worked hard with each other and then together they're able to problem solve, coach one another, learn from one another. And you hear just simply by hearing information and intaking that information, our brain does not learn it as well than actually talking about it, uh, talking about those academics and putting it into our own words and making meaning of it. And so in that way, in the classroom, that's how it's going to differ from group work is because with the Kagan structures, they've, they've got that, um, they've just got all those elements and keeping each other accountable, giving that equal opportunity to share and having to rely on each other, that positive interdependence in order to complete the task. I cannot do this by myself. The teacher said we need all four markers presented on the poster. Mm 
Yes. Right. Yeah. Right, so a structure, I would not call it an activity. You know, I'm trying to think of like a, a teacher term that um, for those who haven't experienced Kagan cooperative learning, I would say it's like your framework, like a picture frame. And you can slide any type of photo that you want in it. So any type of content that you're teaching into that framework. So for example, there's a structure called Rally Robin where you rally going back and forth, sharing an idea. So each person is sharing an idea. So right there, you're giving equal opportunity to share in pairs. And you could be doing that in, um, let's say PE, and you're talking about the different safety rules for a particular game. You could do it um, if you teach technology and you're trying to list out the different maybe kinds of programs that can be used to present certain type of information. Um, so it's a, it, the structure itself is called Rally Robin. However, you can use it in any grade level. If you're teaching kindergarten for say, and you are wanting them to generate words that begin with the letter B, then you can give them that prompt and each student is going back and forth sharing words that begin with the letter B. And so these structures work just like that in giving the students an equal opportunity to share and give information and get them talking about what they're learning. Can you like maybe give an example of like three different structures that cooperative learning uses that a teacher listening right now could like take tomorrow and implement in his or her classroom? So you could... To the Rally Robin, just like I had mentioned, um, I would say the best place to go search and get that information from, just so that way I'm not missing a step, um, would be the Kagan online website. Because what I appreciate about the Kagan team is that they are very tactful in how they deliver and give out information. And they, they distribute their information in a way that's best for the brain and the best for teachers. And on their Kagan website, there, there are sections of there, and I can share them with you, um, that give teachers, you know, what is Kagan? What does it look like? Uh, what does it sound like? And also um, different videos of what is actually there. And so that's what I would say would be the best resource for teachers. Do they have a YouTube channel? I don't you know. know. 
I'm looking up right now. I know they have something Ooh. called Structures on Demand, and that's on their website. But then also for teachers who are listening, they also have done something new. Um, they are called, I want to give the right name, Download Express. Download Express. Okay. And what is this? So Download Express kind of gives you a way to taste what um, a structure or a book might be like without having to purchase the entire book. So, for example, I've just pulled up the website and they've got parts of speech, quiz, quiz, trade. So if you um, have the steps to quiz, quiz, trade and you're wondering maybe what this book is about or what the structure is about, you can download that particular activity if you're doing parts of speech and you're able to utilize that without having to purchase the entire book itself. So they're, they're, they're little pieces there are little different um, content areas where you can download. And there's different things like uh, team building, class building, different content areas. So you can, um, if you're just wanting to download an activity for something at a fraction of the cost to taste it, then you could do that without having to purchase the whole book. Well, and that's one thing I love about what he creates is like, like you said, quiz, quiz trade is a, and I would say most teachers probably are familiar with mm -hmm. that. I feel like that's one that, uh, admin does a lot, at least for me. Um, we did that a lot at like, um, professional development, faculty meeting meetings kind of thing. So I think that's one that teachers might know, but Kagan has a book on quiz, quiz trade. Yes. And in that book will be, uh, different activities. Now, I don't know the specifics, but like geared towards a certain grade level or geared towards a certain subject. Like he has that stuff already created. Um, that's what I spent so much time laminating my first yeah. year of teaching is we had all those books from fellows and it was like a balanced literacy book. And I mean, this book was huge and in it, what well, it was for my grade level and in it was activities for almost every piece of content that I had to teach in language arts with activities that I could cut and paste and not cut and paste, right. but you know, uh, copy there and laminate and cut. Um, but you don't always have right. to laminate, <laughs> but you know, like ready to go. Uh, cause yeah, like Kagan cooperative learning is really supposed to just kind of already fit into what you're right. doing, not be an extra thing you're trying to do on top of it. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question and I didn't prepare you for this one. So I'm putting you on the spot. I've had people email me asking, cause I talk about Kagan a lot. What are the top, like, what should I buy? So what would you say are like the top three resources for somebody listening who wants to learn more about Kagan? He has a, it's, his website is almost a little bit overwhelming with how much stuff there is like right. products. So what are maybe the top three um, resources you would recommend somebody spending money on if they wanted to learn more? So I think for people who are listening, you have to think about, okay, where am I at in my teaching career? Um, a lot of these products, um, they are made by teachers and these ideas are submitted and teachers create these, these products, which is, I think is why we tend to love them so much is because they're created not by that. teachers. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so if you're thinking about 
you know, even maybe your different levels of Kagan knowledge. If I am brand new to Kagan cooperative learning, what I might would start with is the, the Kagan cooperative learning book itself. Um, that one, it, you're going to, you might be overwhelmed and thinking, I do not want to read this entire book, but there are elements of that book that you should definitely read. Um, the first four um, chapters are very foundational into what it is, what the research says. And then from there, you can kind of gravitate towards, okay, in the other chapters, what do I want to know about? In that Kagan Cooperative Learning book, it talks about social skills, what social skills are embedded in, what structures, um, team building, class building, and it gives you the 36 easiest structures in that book. So it gives you a place to start. It gives you that framework to start. Um, so if you are very early into your Kagan career, then that's where I would start first, um, getting your basic foundation down. Um, and then if you're experienced with Kagan Cooperative Learning and you're ready to go on, think about your content area. I really enjoy the balanced literacy books. Those have been some of my favorites. Um, engaging mathematics have been a lot of my favorites. Recently, I would say in the last, like I guess it's maybe been a year now, there's two books that I absolutely love. Um, and they're with the structures and it's with management. So there's one called management and discipline. And I think the other one is called personal and social skills. So with management and discipline, your first day of school plans are basically written within that book. There are quiz quiz trade cards about lunchroom expectations. There is find someone who may be about hallway expectations. So all of the expectations of what you should be doing at school and your rules are in there for you and they've got black lines in there uh, if you need to make your own because each campus is different mm -hmm. rules can be different um and what was then, the second book you said called uh management. management no the other one and i think the other one is personal and social skills okay and that one um has different structures and um content in there about, you know, getting to know me, you know, how to solve a problem. Is this a small problem or is this a big problem? Um, different things like that. And I absolutely love those books. I think that those books are genius because why not do structures with your management? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're, even if you're an administrator delivering information about your first day's, um, plans, your, your expectations of the teacher. And if you're wanting your teachers to utilize Kagan. So why not embed that into your own information? Mm -hmm. I love that you talking about that book about like, you said your first day plans are within that book. Like I got, I felt that like new school year excitement, like well up inside me, which is kind of a bummer because I obviously am not in the classroom right now. So, but um, that sounds like a really good book. Oh, and I one I think I would really like. So I'm going to link to all that um, in there. And then of course, like what I always tell people is I say the first book you recommended, Kagan Cooperative Learning, which we could only move with like 150 pounds of stuff, I think, from the U.S. to Germany. Like that's how much the company would pay for to <laughs> yeah. ship over. And that book probably weighs two pounds. Yep. But by golly, I brought it with me mm -hmm. um, because like even I was prepping for um, podcast episodes that I'm doing like just me talking solo episodes and I pulled out that book and like was 
referencing something from there. Like Mm -hmm. it's so good. Um, so I always tell people that book. And then I say, talk to your team and not your team, your admin or your district about attending a workshop, because I think that's where the real value and the real learning happens. Absolutely. Um, unless you are going to be somebody who's going to be really disciplined to sit down and read that huge book, I would say, go to a conference. You probably get that book included in the conference price. Yes. So will you tell us a little bit about the conferences? Yeah. Or even, even like the, uh, trainings that you do. Right. So I, um, started training with them. Oh gosh. I don't know how, I think this is, this will be my third summer season with them this upcoming school year. But, um, I first became a school trainer for my campus and, um, wanted to just share the information because I had seen the benefits from these structures and what my kids are doing with it. I decided to see if I could get a job with them and and continue to share that knowledge because it is my passion and I would not be telling other people about it if I did not believe in it or see in it. And it's absolutely amazing. So definitely you're right. And the first steps is to figure out how to get yourself to a workshop. Um, there are, they have like, um, tours that they do. So they, um, you can go onto their website and see where they could be and you can sign up that way. Um, sometimes you could, well, oftentimes they shouldn't say sometimes they're Kagan trainers working every single day of the year. You could go on and see if there's a training happening near you at a nearby campus. And sometimes that administrator will, will open up registration and say, yes, that, you know, I can have, I can host five additional teachers from the area if they want to come on down because for you to maybe travel to a different city will, could cost possibly an airline flight, hotel stay, driving there and your district may not be ready for that. But if you've got a school nearby that's hosting, you can definitely reach out and see if you can get in, get in that way. Um, But also I think something that not enough people know about is that Kagan offers scholarships. And so you can go online. It is probably the most simple application I have ever filled out. (laughs) And you put in your name, um, put in your information, and then why you want to, why is it, why are you asking for the scholarship basically? And how is it going to benefit kids? And so you can earn money that way to attend a workshop that's near you. Um, and also sometimes too, that, um, Kagan doesn't just give money back to their own workshops. It's not just for their own stuff. So if I am researching something and I found something that's, um, best for kids, it's for engagement. It may have nothing to do with Kagan. And I apply for a scholarship that money could possibly be given to help fund that. So if it's okay best for kids and it's, um, for engagement, then Kagan looks at that as an opportunity to give back because they do want what's best for kids. Yeah. Um, and then, well, Brittany, the girl we were talking about a little while ago, she did a donor's choose to get to the summer Academy. Now summer Academy might be a bit, uh, intense for somebody who like has never heard of Kagan before, but, um, but still donors choose, I think is, I guess an option you could use if your district allows it. Absolutely. And then with a workshop, you know, kind of going back to the products you were talking about, you know, how do I figure out what workshop that I need to go to? If you are brand new to Kagan, mm-hmm. 
then I would suggest Kagan Cooperative Learning Days 1 through 5. Um, that will give you your foundation. Because as you attend other workshops, you're going to hear those same kind of structures come up and, and learn new ones. Not to say that you cannot attend, um, you know, literacy for, you know, pre-K or kinder. Um, you can definitely still attend those. You'll see on there if it asks you to have a prerequisite or not. Because the trainers are phenomenal. They're going to teach you any structure that you would need to know. In the workshops themselves, you see how the kids learn and feel. And by far, Kagan workshops are the best that I've ever been to, mm -hmm. hands down. And I still go. Mm -hmm. Even though I train, I still go and attend workshops that I haven't been or seen to before because I don't want to stop learning. I yeah. I need to know, you know, thinking skills. I need to know brain-friendly teaching. I need to know um, those different things because all those elements, that's what makes me also a better teacher. But mm -hmm. um, I would start off with Kagan Cooperative Learning Days 1 through 5 or if you're wanting to do, you know, even music or mathematics, go for it. Yeah, Kagan conferences are, yeah, by far the best that I've been to. They're engaging. You're basically, do again, we go back to what he says about brain-friendly learning. People learn best when they're involved in the process. Mm -hmm. So you're doing the structures as a team with people that you don't know uh, because he always mixes you up with people you don't yeah. know. <laughs> and um, Or I'm sure the trainers do too, but... Um, yeah, and you're doing the you're practicing what you can go back and implement the next day. So I highly recommend looking into that. And I will link to all of that on the show notes so that way people can go and I'll link to the I'll find the scholarship stuff because that's really cool. I didn't know about that. Um that's awesome that they do that. And, and I think not enough people know about it and not enough people know to even like their Facebook page and they are constantly mm -hmm. doing photo contests where people can win a a product or a download express or something by posting their kids trying out a structure or posting their favorite structure to do. Mm -hmm. It's they, they've done a whole lot and, um, they do a lot too for teachers. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Kagan and giving us a little bit of info about that and just sharing your experiences in the classroom. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I, this has been fun. I love it. Teacher friends, I'd like to take a minute really quick to tell you about my ebook, The Simply Organized Classroom. When I first started The Simply Organized Teacher, I wanted a way to put all of my most valuable thoughts and ideas out there to support teachers. So I wrote this ebook. If you're a new teacher, student teaching, or getting ready to start the new school year, then this is a great investment you can make to help you know where to get started before the new year or something that you can use right smack dab in the middle of the year to help you with your organization and management in the classroom. There's seven different chapters all related to classroom organization and classroom management. And head over to my website to learn more and purchase your copy. You can also use the short link, which is bit.ly slash TSOT ebook to go straight to it. That one might be a little bit easier to remember. Also, just a little tidbit, if you sign up for my email list, you'll get the opportunity to purchase the ebook for a reduced rate. It's on my website for $12, but as a new email subscriber, you can get it for eight. So if you wanna sign up for my email list to get the lower price, then you can head to bit.ly slash email. And as a podcast listener, you can use the code simplyteach to get 10% off any purchases that you make in the shop. So what did you think about the balance thing that Sarah and I talked about? 
I feel like that word comes up on every other podcast episode that I put out. And some people say you need to find balance, but some say there's no such thing as balance. I think the overarching message of what Sarah was saying and what all the other guests who come on here and talk about this topic is that you have to find time for you. You have to be fully present in that time. Things like Sarah talked about with working out, sleeping, spending time with family and friends, that's all part of that balance of taking time for yourself and being fully present in it so that when you go to work, you can be fully present with your students. I hope that you're implementing some sort of self-care in your daily routine, but if you're not, try it just with one simple thing and maybe one more and one more. Also, if you found the information about cooperative learning really motivating and something you want to look into, then definitely head to the show notes. I will link to the episode with Dr. Kagan. I will link to the resources that Sarah and I talked about. I will link to how to sign up for a conference, which I know I said it on the podcast, like in the interview, but I will say it again here. I would say besides the teacher fellows program, the second best thing I ever did for my education or my professional growth is attending Kagan conferences. So if you are going to do one thing, Kagan, beg, plead your district to let you do that. Everything you need will be over on the show notes at the simply organized teacher.com. And I will see you back here next week as we wrap up season three. Until then, y'all have a great week.